On this week's episode of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast, Elon Musk making a lot of Tesla news this week, including giving a long-awaited update on the availability of Model 3's dual-motor version and giving an interview on Model 3 production to CBS this morning. Plus, a touchscreen performance update for the rest of the fleet, an update on Model Y production, and more. Welcome, friends. It's Ride the Lightning, the unofficial Tesla podcast, episode number 141. That's a palindrome, my friends, for April 15th, 2018. Hopefully you got your taxes done. I'm Ryan McCaffrey, joined by a very comfortably snoozing Daisy the Boxer puppy, and it has been another busy week of Tesla news. You know, I, I do my best to, I try to work on the podcast a, uh, at least a little bit every day. Sometimes it's a lot, sometimes it's a little, but I try to just stay on top of everything. And this morning, or today, I should say Friday, uh, CBS This Morning had a had an interview with Elon Musk. Uh, Gail King, one of the co-anchors there, the co-hosts, went to the Tesla factory, got a tour, saw the Model 3 production line, went out in the Model 3, talking about autopilot. Uh, they did a lot of stuff with Elon, so there was a, a lot to parse through. And believe me, I'm not complaining. Like I, I love being able to play Elon Musk audio clips for you, and I've got plenty of those here in a second. But <laughs> on Friday, oh man, I had the show like mostly ready to go, and I am starting much later than I want to start. It is very late as I start recording this tonight, but uh, you know what? Better that, honestly, in my opinion, than for this having to for this to come out tomorrow and maybe I miss it or would have had to hold the show later. So, anyway, it's neither here nor there. There is a lot to get to this week. I do want to start with that CBS This Morning piece on Elon Musk, the interview uh, between Gail King and Elon uh, taking taken place over the course of an entire day. So he, like, as I said, he, uh, he invited them in. They, they allowed uh, CBS into the factory. They walked the production line, Gail and Elon. Uh, he took her out in a Model 3 to talk a little bit about autopilot and the fatal Model X crash and the, uh, the NTSB investigation and the the uh, in, in heightened <laughs> drama that's been going on with that. I'm going to tell you about that more later as well. But I wanted to, in fact, that's where I want to start. So uh, this is them riding in a Model 3, Elon showing off autopilot. And here is Elon Musk explaining uh, the, the role of, of autopilot uh, in general, as he was asked specifically about, about the accident. So here's Elon. We can't expect people, you see how it's like warning what, us? Yeah, what did, why did it do that? Because my, my hands are not on the wheel. Well, what's the purpose of having autopilot if you still have to put your hands on the wheel, Elon? Oh, it, it, because the probability of uh, an accident with autopilot is just less. Like, less likely, but not impossible. So Federal investigators are looking into last month's deadly crash in California involving a Model X operating in autopilot mode. Was there a defect with the system? The system worked as described, which is that it's a hands-on system. It is not um, a self-driving system. A week after the accident, Tesla announced that the driver had received several visual and one audible hands-on warning earlier in the drive, and the driver's hands were not detected on the wheel for six seconds prior to the collision. Releasing that information drew criticism from federal officials doing their own investigation. You do know that you ticked off the National Transportation Safety Board by releasing the results. 
before the investigation was completed. Why yeah. did you do that? Well, it's actually, it, we've always released Are the results. Are you on autopilot now? Yes, yeah, currently okay. on autopilot. The NTSB takes, they take a long time to complete an investigation. They'll take a year. So I said, look, we, you know, we can't wait for a year to release information. That's way too long. Too long, especially for a company under such intense public scrutiny. But it's important to emphasize it will never be perfect. Autopilot will never be perfect. No. no. I mean, nothing in the real world is perfect. Um, but I do think that long term it can reduce accidents by a factor of 10. So there are 10 fewer fatalities and tragedies and serious injuries. Um, and that's a really huge difference. So I don't disagree with Elon here. And in fact, uh, as I mentioned at the top, I'm going to talk a lot more about this later in the podcast. I've got a whole big update on the fatal Model X crash uh, here in the Bay Area. So stay tuned for that later in the podcast. Next, uh, Gail asked Elon, you know, what he thinks of himself, in fact, or what he considers himself to be, if he considers himself to be a businessman or not. Uh, and here's Elon saying... What if he thinks he's a businessman and what he does, in fact, consider himself to be? I've heard people say, listen, he's an out-of-the-box thinker. He's a businessman. He's an entrepreneur. But people that know really you say... a businessman, I wouldn't say. You would say? I'm not really a businessman. You're not businessman, a businessman? Not really. No? No. What are you? Um, I'm sure there's probably lots of analysts on what? Wall Street who agree that I'm not a businessman. Okay. Well, what do you think you are? Um, I'm, like, I'm an engineer. An engineer? Yeah. I like engineering and design. Um, but you're not a businessman? Well, I, don't, I mean, I don't sort of like look at things from like what's the rank ordered list of priorities for uh, based on a return on investment or something like that. I don't really do any investments. I mean, I only own one public security and that's Tesla. That's it. I have no diversity in terms of public securities. Um, I've heard you describe yourself as a technologist. Yes, exactly. Technologist. Uh, make new technologies. Create new technologies. <laughs> no. Is it your is it your dream to conquer the world and make the world a better place? To what is your dream? Our technology is like magic, you know. To close, I mean, I think like technology is the closest thing to magic that we have in the real world. And so, I think like engineering, creative engineering, is is essentially technology development. Um, and um, I guess maybe when I, was, when I was a kid, I, like Lord of the Rings is my favorite book. Is it? Yeah. And I thought it would be like, what's the closest thing to being a wizard uh, in the real world? And that's like creating new technologies. I like his joke there about some people on Wall Street agreeing with the notion that he's not a businessman. In fact, that, that's all I really wanted to comment on with that particular clip. I, I do think technologist is a pretty accurate description of Elon, particularly when you factor in his other businesses, SpaceX and the Boring Company and Hyperloop stuff prior to that. So uh, I do think I think Elon Musk technologist is definitely something that can that can go on his gravestone one day. All right, now let's get into the meat of the the interview and the the whole real the real reason that CBS this morning did go out to the Tesla factory to do this piece, and that is the Model Three and Model Three production. So. Here's Elon telling you something that you already know, but I think there's an important point to be made here. So listen to this. The Model 3 still in your mind is a face and the future of the company, is it not? Yes, absolutely. So that's nothing that you didn't already know, but my my take here is that when when he says something like that on a national show like this that's watched by people 
who don't track Tesla's every move. You know, CBS This Morning is a very wide-reaching demographic that's, that's probably not full of people that are listening to this podcast and are watching every move Tesla makes. So I think it's an important statement by Elon there, given the context of where the statement was made and where it aired. All right, let's talk about production hell. Uh, there is a very, very interesting quote by Elon in this. You said to your team, mm -hmm. everybody get ready to meet the demand. We're gonna be in production hell. Yes. But you didn't expect this kind of production hell, or did you? Um, no, it's worse than I thought. Why is that? Why is it harder? What happened? We got complacent about some of the things that we felt were our core technology. We put too much new technology into the Model 3 all at once. Mm -hmm. That this, this, this should have been staged. I found the too much new tech in Model 3 statement very interesting because, I, number one, I've never heard him say that before. And number two, that was his own repeatedly self-admitted mistake with the Model X that he vowed not to repeat with the Model 3. So uh, the good news is, I suppose we're all going to be the beneficiaries of that quote-unquote mistake, but uh, I found that very interesting. I mean, I, I don't quite know specifically what he's referring to there, um, whether it's the... the you know, the drivetrain that like with the permanent magnet motors and the fit, you know, we know the car is a lot more efficient than the S and the XR, uh, whether it's the all glass rear chunk of the roof. Uh, and I, I don't entirely know, you know, we know the car is not made entirely out of aluminum. It's supposed to be a lot simpler than the S and the X. It's supposed to be built for ease of manufacturing, but I found it very, very interesting that he said there's too much tech too much new tech in the Model 3. Um, all right, next clip here. Elon Musk uh, sleeping at the factory. You've heard about this recently. Here he is actually showing Gail King where he sleeps in the Tesla factory. When things get really intense, I don't have time to go home and shower and change, so I just sleep here. I want to see. Where is that? Oh, uh, yeah. So I want to see. Um, I mean, it's pretty boring overall, really. Uh, um... <laughs> it's actually cold in here too. Yeah, I like it cold. So you have a, you like it cold? I sleep on the couch over there. So you're just laying here yeah. on the couch? Yeah. Last time I was here, I actually slept literally on the floor because the couch was too narrow. Yeah, I was going to say. And Elon, I have to say, it's not even a comfortable couch either. No, it's terrible. <laughs> this is a, not a good couch. If you were wondering at any point if Elon Musk was joking about sleeping on the factory floor, and, and I doubt you were, honestly, considering that he had previously posted Instagram videos of himself having a, uh, a cookout while sleeping on the Gigafactory roof last year, then uh, this should be some pretty definitive proof for you. Because later in the video, I, don't have, I didn't pull the clip of it, but uh, Gail King said that she asked other employees when Elon wasn't around, if Elon actually sleeps there, and they did indeed confirm it. And yeah, it looks like it is a very narrow couch uh, that that uh, appears to not be very plush at all. <laughs> and he's sleeping on either that or the floor. So uh, there you go. It's that it is that is not an urban legend. That is real. Okay. Uh, so let's let's move this conversation forward. I've kind of I've rearranged the various things. I'm trying to create a, sort of a better narrative for you as a podcast listener than it is to just go through these these clips individually as they were put together by CBS. But 
So now we get to the Model 3 production portion. We've been talking about sleeping on the floor. We've been talking about uh, production hell. So where are we now? This clip tells you where we were, uh, or at least where they were on Tuesday, I believe it was. Gail King said that they that they, they flew to Tesla to do this. So this as of this past Tuesday... What does the number say for the last seven days? What is the number? 2,071. You're pleased with that? Yeah. For the time being? Yeah. Musk feels like all the overtime is paying off. And now he says the Model 3 line is back on track. And we're able to un- unlock some of the critical things that were holding us back um, from reaching 2,000 cars a week. But since then, we've continued to do 2,000 cars a week. Do you think that this is sustainable? This pace yeah. is sustainable? Yeah. So we'll probably have... I don't know, a three or four-fold increase in Model 3 output in the in the second quarter. So I think we can now pretty safely call 2,000 cars per week the new production floor. And we should see that continue to climb. Uh, and you hear Elon saying there that that uh, they'll, they'll be doing better and better in Q2. And in fact, on Twitter this week, Elon uh, decided to reply. He refuted a post by The Economist that said Tesla would need to do a capital raise this year. And he said, "Uh uh-uh, we're going to be cash flow positive in Q3 and Q4. So they are really targeting, basically, once they hit 5,000 cars per week, they are, they're literally, they are in the money at that point. So uh, look forward to that day, because that also means that's when we get our our, our, uh, all-wheel drive cars. I'm going to tell you more about that coming up later in the podcast as well. But next up, Production hell. You've heard Elon Musk say it over and over. He said it. He first uttered it back at the July 28th, 2017 product launch event for Model 3. Uh, He first said it there, and he has said it many times since. He's uh, referred to it in Dante's Inferno's terms of multiple circles of hell, you know, getting worse the deeper down you go. So here is is Elon talking about uh, where that hell currently stands. I'm feeling pretty optimistic about where Tesla is at this point. Like I, at this point, I can have a clear understanding of the path out of hell. And I do not, until recently, have a clear understanding. Remember that he had previously said that they were, quote, up, you know, quote, unquote, up, again, in the Dante's Inferno sense, to about the fourth or fifth circle, up from the ninth and worst circle. So I wonder what seeing a clear path out means. Maybe... Level three, maybe level two. Uh, the good news is that he, you know, he claims he's he's ready. Like he's got the plan to escape that production hell, uh, which is only good news for all of us as we wait for our Model Threes. Now, speaking of waiting, we have had to wait because of delays. Here's Elon, very matter-of-factly addressing the delay situation. Should customers be worried? Should they be worried about what's happening with their Model Three? and when they will get their Model 3. It's, it's best to look at this not in uh, an exact numerical way, but in a, on, a, on a calendar basis. There shouldn't be a question mark as to whether somebody's going to get their car. It's just, yes, you'll definitely get your car. It's going to be six, nine months longer than expected. Are you saying people don't really need to be worried? This is a little hiccup right now. It's a, it's a, it's a six to nine month time shift. That's literally it. And, th- and three of those months have already passed. Have you had many cancellations of the Model 3? People frustrated by the long wait? Uh, it's mostly like people cancel because 
you know, they just needed a car and we didn't have a car for them. But do you feel, Elon Musk, personally, a lot of pressure and a big burden on your shoulders? Because so many people believe in this product and believe in this company because of you. Because of you. Okay, well, I will hope that faith is not misplaced. I mean, in my humble opinion, it's not quite that simple when these cars are such big purchases for, for pretty much all of the customers. But yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, I do think, you know, we're, we're obviously we're going to get our cars. And I think one day we're going to look back on this with our cars happily in our garages. And we're going to tell the story to our kids or grandkids maybe someday about how we were all there. We were all part of it when everything started to change, when Tesla went from this successful startup to a a power player in the automotive industry and a, and a catalyst for for good, for change, for a change for the better in the world. I, I know that's I'm taking an extraordinarily optimistic view of that, uh, but I really do believe that. I mean, that's my daughter already. She she really. I explain like what an electric car is and why why a Tesla is special and why it's different. And she, she just like that makes total sense to her. She didn't she didn't say, well, why would we use batteries instead of just using you know the gasoline? She she just accepts it. So I, I really think that the next generation coming up, that's we will see that, and and we are going to see we are all going to be a part of Tesla's success in the coming years and decades to come. All right, uh, so. As we move out of the Model 3 specific uh, discussion here, there was there was one other element that I wanted to pull out of this that, that was very fascinating. And that is uh, what Elon had to say about robots on the Model 3 production line. Take a listen to this. Elon, part of the thing I heard about the Model 3 is that there's too many robots that maybe... Yeah, yeah, I agree. You, do, you think so, too? That yeah. maybe you need more people in here working. We do. In some cases, the robots actually slowed the production, right? Yes, they did. We had this crazy complex uh, network of conveyor belts, and it was not working. So we got rid of that whole thing. This is... Well, this certainly flies in the face of everything that we've been hearing for the past year from Elon about production and and about that remember that alien dreadnought how the model 3 production line was going to be like the point zero point five version of that and then they were going to get to the 1.0 version so what i'm curious of is does this mean that that alien dreadnought goal is dead i I would love to ask him a follow-up question about that uh i in fact I can give it a try on Twitter, the next opportunity, the next opening that I see to maybe try and get his attention on Twitter. But in fact, someone did already do that. But uh, Elon chose not to elaborate. He just ended up repeating what he said on the CBS interview there about about humans being underrated. So we'll see. I, I suspect that someone like an Adam Jonas uh, that can get Elon's ear on the, the quarterly conference calls somebody's going to ask him about that. I would I would bet the farm because even though those those quarterly earnings calls tend to you know the, the questions from those investors and and uh you know analysts tend to be very financially skewed this is a topic that is uh very financially based in that you know the dreadnought was supposed to 
be this almost fully automated, crazy fast production line that would enable a lot of Tesla's very aggressive goals. So I do think we have not heard the last about this. And I'm, uh, if, if any of those analysts, like an Adam Jonas or one of those people is out there listening to this, please make a note to, to ask Elon that on the conference call that should be coming up, uh, I would think, in a in about three, let's see, one, two, yeah, about, I would think about three and a half weeks from now. So anyway, uh, let's move next. Elon was asked by Gail King about his April Fool's Day joke that I told you about last week. So here's what he had to say about that. You know people are nervous and they're worried. You, you are aware of that. So knowing that, why would you do an April Fool's joke that you did? Oh, because there were all these media articles uh, saying that Tesla's going bankrupt? Yes. Um, so I thought, well, I'll just do an April Fool's joke that we did go bankrupt. But Elon, that's not funny when people are nervous. I mean, it's April Fool's. People should, like, lighten up, okay? Like, it should be pretty obvious, I think, that uh, I'm not going to joke about bankruptcy if I think it's remotely real. I don't think anyone who works for Tesla uh, and thus depends on them for their livelihood uh, would, would be worried that they were going out of business. Because, I mean, yeah, I can't imagine anybody that works for Tesla and even people on the Model 3 reservation list, I really don't think anybody took that, that FUD seriously, that fear, uncertainty, and doubt. Uh, I can't imagine reservation holders actually thought that their $1,000 deposit was in jeopardy because Tesla would actually go bankrupt. And, and, you know, Elon said it perfectly at the end there, that he wouldn't have done the joke if he were actually legitimately worried about it. All right, on their way out, on the CBS crew's way out, uh, Elon was asked about bringing a camera crew in at a time like that and, and bringing a camera crew back sometime. Listen to his answer to this. There's a part of me that thinks yeah. you must feel confident, otherwise you wouldn't allow cameras here. You can literally, like, give us zero seconds of notice at any point. And, and bring your camera crew into any part of the factory at any time. Like literally, like you should do this. If, you know, like and just come with a camera. Any, yes. Elon, be careful what you say. I'm not kidding. Okay. You can definitely do that. Wait, 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 wait. Show up any time with a cam camera crew. Does that apply to me? Can I just roll up whenever I want and interview Elon Musk? Oh, I wish, but no. Uh, and and we know from knowing Elon's sense of humor, from covering him, and you've been listening to him on this podcast, uh, as well as no doubt other places, that he's not joking. He is serious there. So um, I, yeah, I, I do agree, though. I thought, it was, I thought it was very just open and confident and uh, smart to let them in at this time when, you know, there is a lot of pressure on them, there is a lot of that FUD closing in around them. And in fact, back in the studio, when after they aired the piece, uh, and, and Gail King's back in there with the other, the, the two co-anchors, they complimented Elon Musk for that exact thing. Time is and also fascinating to let us in when he knows he's under the gun, when he knows that people are complaining. He says, sure, come on in. He's very calm, very confident, and very, he's very matter-of-fact. He's very matter-of-fact in the way he speaks, but I just think he's, he's terrific and on the case. Right, yeah, we'll old him. and creative. Yes, I mean, yes. He creative. thinks outside the box, Nora. We like that. Yeah. So remember, again, that these journalists don't know Elon Musk. They may not know much about him or necessarily about Tesla. 
And with this being something of a first impression then, if in fact Gail King wasn't super familiar with Tesla and, and clearly hadn't met Elon before, I think that much was clear from watching all these pieces, if, you know, it's nice to see that they came away with a very positive impression of both Elon and the Model 3 as well. Uh, I know that the Model 3 bit, I didn't play a lot of that of them just kind of driving around in the car, but but she was impressed by the car, although she clearly, she was a bit freaked out by autopilot, uh, which which is not an unreasonable uh response to seeing autopilot in action for the first time i have to say it it is you know because it throws your your sense of what you've been used to your entire life of either driving a car or being in a car but anyway uh overall i think this was a really good piece by cbs this morning i thought it was very fair uh, the one thing I didn't see that I that I would have liked to have seen, I mean, they addressed the demand, but they, they never actually said, hey, you guys have half a million orders for a car, and that's never happened in the entire history of, of cars before. I would have liked to have seen uh, that thrown in there for a little bit of context around why are we doing this story and why should the, the viewers care, but... Overall, I do think Gail King did a wonderful job there and that the CBS crew was uh, was very, very fair. They painted a very fair, reasonable picture and, and uh, you know, Elon answered her questions directly and, and truthfully and, and that's all we can ever ask. All right, uh, this is turning into a super long episode already and I told you I started recording exceptionally late. So I hope you'll you'll forgive me. I'm going to save the Ride the Lightning hotline for next week. I'm just going to put it on hold for next week. I've got a bunch of your excellent calls queued up, ready to go. We'll get to those next week, but please don't let that discourage you from calling in. I would still absolutely love to hear from you. The two easy ways to call in and be a part of the show, you can either record a question. Again, try to keep it to about uh, a minute, maybe 90 seconds tops. Uh, record your question on your smartphone's built-in voice recorder, and then just email that file to me at my email address, which is teslapodcast at gmail.com. Alternatively, you can call in on the toll-free Ride the Lightning hotline, where you just, it's basically a voicemail box. You just call in, you leave your question as a voicemail, uh, and that toll-free number is one 888 989-8752. That's 1-888-989-TSLA. I'll be right back with the rest of the news because there is a lot more ground to cover in the world of Tesla this week. Before I get to the rest of the news, a quick word from Evoto. They are a Tesla rental service based out of Montreal. If you find yourself north of the border and in the beautiful city of Montreal, uh, you are probably going to have an awesome time because uh, I've been to Montreal a number of times and it is indeed a wonderful city. So why not make your trip a little more wonderful by renting yourself a Tesla? They've got S's, they've got X's, threes are on the way. They'll give you unlimited mileage for your rental. They are going to plant 10 trees for every rental in partnership with trees.org. You can park your car, whether it's your own car or a rental, securely in their garage while you're out and about in one of the Teslas. Uh, learn more at evoto.ca. That's E-V-O-T-O dot C-A. They've also got some what they call evotarian 
merchandise on their website. If you go to evoto.ca slash merch, their prices are in Canadian dollars, mind you. So it is actually going to be a bit cheaper when you translate that back to the U.S. dollar. They've got apparel, they've got art, they've got accessories, uh, things like t-shirts, tank tops, hoodies, even baby onesies on the way. And as I've mentioned before, they are all Elon-inspired posters. So there's sort of there's some cool Mars stuff. There's some uh, boring company-inspired stuff. All sorts of neat stuff, and uh, everything is made in the USA. And they've got a coupon code, so you want to give it a look. Maybe if you see something you like, you can get a discount. Just use the coupon code RTL for 15% off. That is fantastic there. All right, on to the rest of the Tesla news for the week, and I want to start with the thing that's certainly nearest and dearest to my own heart, and something that no doubt many of you are eager to hear about as well, and that is dual motor Model 3s, all-wheel drive Model 3s. We have an update on the availability, the timing of that availability. Elon was asked on Twitter by a frustrated customer, what is going on with all-wheel drive? And Elon replied. He said, quote, we need to achieve 5,000 cars per week with the Model 3 before adding complexity that would inhibit the production ramp so probably July. Now, as many were quick to point out, you do indeed have to take that with a bit of grain of salt, a rather large grain of salt, because that is Elon time. Elon is notorious for his very optimistic timelines, but hopefully it's very close to July. I mean, we just heard that you know, they were they had initially wanted to be at 2,500 cars a week two weeks ago. They're at just over 2,000 cars a week now. You just heard it from uh, straight from the factory floor with that CBS This Morning piece. So they will get there. Uh, it's probably going to be in the summer. The question is, you know, will it be in July? Hopefully, and that's when Elon says they will spin up all-wheel drive production. Uh, but the thing is, you know, that... Tesla's got so many orders and they're trying to ramp up production that I, I honestly can't blame them. Even though I'm waiting for a dual motor car myself, it, it wouldn't be logical to introduce variables into that production ramp. So um, the other thing I'm curious about, I still have the unanswered question of when, 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 when for the performance model. Will it be introduced at the same time? Or is it possible that they won't introduce performance until the ramp gets maxed out at 10,000 cars per week, which you know is supposed to happen by the end of 2018? I could see the case either way, you know. I, I could see it being something that needs that they they wait for 10,000 a week for because they've just got so many orders to fill and the performance model is statistically, it's just not going to be a huge percentage of orders. But I can also make the case the other way that they would offer it because if they're already introducing dual motor, we're, I'm reasonably confident based on what I've seen and been told that the white interior is also going to become available at that same time. So that's at least two variables that are going to be introduced into the production line uh, in when it does get to that 5,000 car per week scenario, uh, air suspension might be in that mix as well. If it's tied to dual motor, which Elon had previously said as well. So, you know, there's the, 
What's one more thing with performance? What's one more variable to throw in there? Uh, now I know it's not quite that simple, but, and then the other, the other case I can make for performance be, being available sooner rather than later is that we know that Tesla is now prioritizing the higher margin configurations on the Model 3 and the performance cars would obviously be the highest margin cars that they could possibly make. So if they, even if the, the performance model is going to be statistically the smallest percentage of cars, uh, if they can knock out a bunch of those sooner rather than later, and it brings in more money as they try to get to cash flow positive, that would seem to make a lot of sense as well. Uh, the one last note I wanted to make here is is this, is that uh, if it's going to be at least July for the dual motor cars, which means that we kind of have a, a almost a clean break here, year one of the Model 3's production, because it officially started July 28th, that was the official launch, year one of the Model 3 is is nothing but the exact same configuration with your only choice being paint and which which wheel size do you want. Every single car, long range, every single car, premium interior, every single car, uh, uh, black interior. So every single year one Model 3 is, is fundamentally the same. It's going to be the year two, year two of Model 3. That is when the options will get into the mix. So uh, at least for a while... You'll know just from looking at a Model 3, or at least you'll get a very good idea from of, of just looking at a Model 3 if it was made in the first year of production or in the second. At least if it's uh, if you see, you know, if you see a white interior, <laughs> you'll know for sure that it's a year two car. All right, next up this week, a new software update for the Teslas. It's 2018.14 adds that that uh, interface speed up that's, uh, that's going to close that gap a bit between the old MCU chip and the new MCU chip that I told you about a week or two back. You know, the Model 3, every Model 3 has that zippy new uh, media center unit processor in it that makes the screen super responsive, loads in your maps super quickly, uh, the the rest of the fleet, the S and the Xs, didn't have that up until, of course, the S and the X just got it, starting basically starting this month. So now uh, a software update has rolled out to the entire fleet, which of course that means it you're benefiting 99% of the existing Model S and Model X owners. Uh, and I, I did I watched some YouTube videos of this. It is definitely noticeably quicker. Uh, it does narrow the gap between the old MCU and the new MCU. Now, speaking of updates, as the new navigation system rolls out, which, by the way, is separate from firmware updates. So if your car updates sometime soon, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're getting the new nav just yet. That is being rolled out in phases. But... The new software update does, or pardon me, the new navigation update, whenever you do get it, does include a new feature, and that is real-time traffic adjusting directions. Here is the verbiage from Tesla that you'll see in your car when that update does get pushed to you. 
Quote, the Model S navigation system now takes real-time traffic conditions into account when determining a route for you. Estimated travel times are adjusted to reflect traffic and your car will continuously monitor traffic while navigating and rerouting you if warranted. In order for these features to work, Tesla measures the road segment data of all participating vehicles, but in a way that doesn't identify you or your car and may share that with partners that contribute similar data to help us provide the service. At no point is any personally identifiable information collected or shared during this process. You can enable or disable this feature and the collection and sharing of this data at any time. That is, of course, uh, no doubt a reference to the the privacy sensitivity now uh, around uh, Facebook and other things like that. But a the thing I really wanted to comment on this on uh, with regard here is the friendly reminder that, again, those of us who haven't received our Model 3s yet, which is still most of us, we're going to have this available to us starting on day one, on delivery day. So it's just, it's yet another awesome, fun, useful thing to look forward to with these cars. And it just, I love this stuff. I love that it's so awesome that these cars get better over time. Uh, yes, I mean, the Model 3 software shipped pretty bare bones. One could even say maybe a bit lacking, but it doesn't, it doesn't negate the point that these, that the entire Tesla fleet, all Tesla vehicles, they get new, cool, fun stuff, new abilities, new toys over time. And that is, that is so cool. I got to figure that once you experience that, once you're a Tesla owner and have that, it's got to be really, really hard to go back to any other car that can't update and improve itself over time. Uh, next up, Model Y. We haven't heard about Model Y in a little while. And this is nothing official from Tesla, but according to some sources via Reuters, the Reuters news service, the Tesla is targeting Model Y production to begin in the fall of 2019. That's not too long. That's, uh, gosh, that's pretty much 18 months from now. So, uh, I mean, I, I will say it's kind of cool to read this from a, a reputable source like Reuters, because if you remember the fall 2018 reveal that I predicted on my New Year's Eve show, uh, we may very well be headed right for exactly that. Because you've got to figure that they'll start taking those deposits, those reservations, about a year prior to production. Uh, but that's not even the, the fall 2019 production thing, to me, isn't even the most interesting part of this story. So here's the skinny from Reuters, who, as I mentioned, broke this story. They say, quote, Reuters has learned the Silicon Valley company, led by chief executive Elon Musk, is accepting preliminary bids for supplier contracts on the Model Y, a compact crossover companion to the Model 3 sedan. And by the way, thumbs up for the alliteration on that. Compact crossover companion. I like that. <laughs> anyway, uh, continuing. Tesla has given suppliers scant details about the program and had not provided a production time frame, but has now indicated the vehicle would begin to be built at its Fremont, California plant in November of next year, the two sources with knowledge of the supply chain said, end quote. Couple things here. First, if they're really targeting November, that means they almost certainly won't actually 
actually hit the streets proper in 2019. It's pretty much going to be 2020 for the Model Y, uh, which I think a lot of us expected. Maybe, you know, if they end up doing it in Q1 of 2020, that's probably going to be a little earlier than a lot of folks, myself included, would have expected. But but nevertheless, uh, secondly, they're going to start building them in Fremont? Really? Where? That's my question. And I don't say that derisively. I'm just, I'm genuinely curious where, because we've been told that Fremont is pretty well maxed out because by the time this car, the Model Y is due to begin production, Tesla should be up to 10,000 Model 3s per week. And they'll probably have been at about at that point for around a year by then. You know, I, I figured that, I wonder if that's two 5,000 car per week Model 3 lines separately, you know, operating together. And that will total, that alone, Model 3 alone totals half a million cars per year. Plus, you've got 60,000 or so Model S's coming out every year, 60,000 or so Model X's being cranked out of Fremont every year. So is Tesla sitting on another chunk of space somewhere inside the Fremont factory where they could install a Model Y line? I mean, it, it just, it does go against uh, what Elon Musk has been telling us, which is that the Model Y is going to need its own factory at some point. Elon's said that multiple times. So we'll see. I thought that was the really interesting bit that jumped out at me from that story. So I'll be keeping an eye on that one for sure. I mean, it's, um, it's, I mean, it matters, you know, it's an important story because, heck, there could be those of you out there who maybe you really want to work for Tesla and maybe, who knows, maybe the Model Y facility ends up being built in your state uh, and giving you a, you know, a real shot at being part of the team. But, but, you know, if they're going to start here in Fremont, that, that's interesting regardless. I mean, is that, that's, is that going to create more California jobs? Are they, you know, are they eventually going to move? Uh, outside of of California to build the Y, we shall see. Next up this week, a few more stories. We've got the Tesla Semi prototype. It was out in the Phoenix area, visiting my old stomping grounds out there in Arizona. Phoenix-based trucking leasing company called TCI Transportation, they placed an order for 50, 50 Tesla Semis, according to their own company tweet made earlier this week. There was a picture of the two uh, co-founders of the company standing in front of the silver uh, Tesla Semi prototype. Now that brings the total publicly known order count on the Semi up to around 370. And it's nice to see, by the way, that the orders have continued to come in. You know, they didn't all just happen right at the reveal and now, you know, nobody's doing anything. Nobody's moving it because what that says to me is that word is getting around. More and more companies are considering them. And I'll tell you, as I said back after the reveal, I really believe that if the Tesla semi is as good as Elon Musk says it is, then Tesla is going to get a whole lot more orders once this thing actually starts hitting the streets and companies actually start seeing a benefit from it and a return from it. So keeping an eye on the semi stuff. A couple more stories this week. 
Electrek, our friends over there, reporting that used Teslas, the CPO cars, will no longer quite get as much work put into them when they get traded in from now on due to a large influx of cars expected to be coming back to the company as uh, a lot of three-year leases start to come to an end. The Tesla site now reads that the verbiage has changed on the used cars. They say, this car has passed a 70-point mechanical inspection and will be cleaned before delivery. If you would like any additional work that is not covered under your warranty, we can help arrange service after delivery for an added cost. So previously, they would really, really clean the cars up. They would fix cosmetic issues, stuff like that. Now they apparently will no longer be doing that. Hopefully it means there's going to be better deals to be had. I mean, that's where my head goes when I read something like this. And, and if that is the case, maybe those cars will even tempt some of you who maybe you're going to run out of patience waiting for Model 3. And maybe there'll be a, a CPO Model S out there with your name on it. So all I would say to that is keep an eye on the Tesla.com site's used section, the used cars section, to see if any you know deals that work for you happen to pop up. Two more stories this week uh, before I get to the the uh, more difficult one of the two. I did want to just play some good news for you. Uh, so I, I guess I fibbed a little bit. I do have one Ride the Lightning hotline call that I'm going to do for you here real quick because it's our friend Tony from Toronto calling, and he's been he's been really staying on top of the rebate situation with the Model 3, which had previously, or at least up to date, had not been officially on the list as eligible for that very generous $14,000 Canadian uh, rebate, that that uh, rebate on the Model 3 being an electric vehicle. So here's Tony from Toronto to give us an update on what's going on up uh, north of the border. Hey, Ryan, it's uh, Tony again from Toronto. I called in earlier this week to give an update on the Ontario rebate information uh, for the Model 3. But of course, luck would have it that information I provided is now out of date as of Thursday, April 12th. The good news is that the Model 3 now qualifies for the full $14,000 rebate in Ontario, Canada. It was added to the eligible vehicles list today. So I guess you can ignore my last call. Uh, one point I made in my last call as well is that uh, one of your callers in the previous episode wanted to know how to tell if they have the old MCU or new MCU in their Model S. A TMC forum member created a web page that you can type into the browser of your Model S or X and it will tell you. Uh, I've created a short domain that forwards to that page because it had a long URL, so it's easier to type into the browser. The URL is http colon forward slash forward slash um, tesla mcu dot xyz t-e-s-l-a mcu.xyz. Thank you again and keep up the good work. Take care. Thank you very much for that information, Tony. That is great news for all Ontario residents out there. And thanks for that new MCU tip, by the way, as well, that website. That is uh, no doubt going to be something that a lot of my listeners with Teslas check out. All right. Uh, I want to move on to the last news story. And in fact, the way I'll close out the show this week before my usual parting thoughts, but uh, and that is, I did say that I was going to wait for significant developments in the fatal Model, Model X autopilot crash story before uh, you know covering it more on this podcast. I do think this counts. Uh, you know, you heard a little bit of it, CBS this morning bringing it up when they visited Elon at the factory 
earlier this week. And now uh, there is there is another update, and the surviving family members say uh, of of Walter Huang, the driver killed in the Model X crash. Uh, this comes via Electrek. They are say they are preparing to file suit against Tesla. Their attorney that they have retained is uh, Mark Fong. He's representing Sivan Huang, the again the widow of the driver killed. Uh, the attorney, Mr. Fong, says, quote, Unfortunately, it appears that Tesla has tried to blame the victim here. He's referring there to uh, Tesla releasing their data saying that, that uh, Walter had taken, did not have his hands on the wheel for six seconds prior to the crash and had, uh, you know, had, had some time there. Unfortunately, it appears that Tesla has tried to blame the victim here. It took him out of the lane that he was driving in, then it failed to break, then it drove him into this fixed concrete barrier. We believe this wouldn't ha- uh, this would have never happened had this autopilot never been turned on, end quote. Tesla responded to the interview here to Mr. Fong in a statement saying, quote, We are very sorry for the family's loss. According to the family, Mr. Huang was well aware that autopilot was not perfect, and specifically he told them it was not reliable in that exact location, yet he nonetheless engaged autopilot at that location. The crash happened on a clear day with several hundred feet of visibility ahead, which means that the only way for this accident to have occurred is if Mr. Huang was not paying attention to the road, despite the car uh, providing multiple warnings to do so. The quote continues, The fundamental premise of both moral and legal liability is a broken promise, and there was none here. Tesla is extremely clear that autopilot requires the driver to be alert and have hands on the wheel. This reminder is made every single time autopilot is engaged. If the system detects that hands are not on, it provides visual and auditory alerts. This happened several times on Mr. Huang's drive that day. We emphasize, uh, pardon me, we empathize with Mr. Huang's family who are understandably facing loss and grief, but the false impression that autopilot is unsafe will cause harm to others on the road. NHTSA found that even the early version of Tesla autopilot resulted in 40% fewer crashes, and it has improved substantially since then. The reason that other families are not on TV is because their loved ones are still alive. End quote. You may recall that Joshua Brown's family, he was the first person, the only other person to date, who has uh, lost their life in, a, in an autopilot-enabled in crash. Joshua Brown's family elected not to file any kind of suit against Tesla, and they, in fact, went on public record saying that Joshua was a champion of Tesla himself and that they had hoped that his death would lead to improvements that would save more people. They, I think it's fair to say that they took the high road. And now I'm not saying or, that, that, uh, or suggesting in any way that the Huangs are taking the low road here. I want to be clear about that. They are in a, they're in a just awful, awful position. They've just lost a family member. It's in the news. They've got the media wanting to talk to them. It's, it's no doubt... A lot of emotional stress. Absolutely. But on paper, Tesla would seem to be in the clear here. 
It's not a self-driving system. That's made very clear every time you activate it, as Tesla mentioned. And uh, in fact, it's made explicitly clear to you before you activate it for the very first time. Uh, and and I the reason I bring that specifically up is because if you were listening carefully there, something might have jumped out at you because it jumped out at me. And, and that was because Mr. Fong, the family's uh, attorney, implied that the car is a self-driving car in his statement. Remember, he said it took him out of the lane and it failed to break and it drove him into the concrete barrier. Tesla is not a perfect company. It doesn't make perfect products and it's not above the consequences for mistakes that it does make. But here, in this scenario, Based on what's been presented so far, Tesla would seem to be legally in the clear as far as this family trying to file suit against Tesla. I'm no lawyer, obviously. I'm sure I have lawyers out there who may have opinions on this. But we'll see what we learn once the NTSB's investigation is finished, uh, which it sounds like they may not release that data for a year, which was part of... uh, (laughs) <laughs> in fact, on that note, that's a perfect segue. Tesla got into it with the NTSB. They are they are trading uh, verbal barbs in the press now. Tesla saying because uh, basically the NTSB was unhappy that that Tesla that pardon me yeah the NTSB was unhappy that Tesla released that autopilot data uh, from that spot that I that I shared with you a week or so ago. Tesla saying quote. Tesla with today Tesla withdrew from the party agreement with the NTSB because that agreement requires that we not release information about autopilot to the public a requirement which we believe fundamentally affects public safety negatively we believe in transparency so an agreement that prevents public release of information for over a year is unacceptable Even though we won't be a formal party, we will continue to provide technical assistance to the NTSB. It's been clear in our conversations with the NTSB that they're more concerned with press headlines than actually promoting safety. Now, I want to stop there real quick and say that was probably unnecessary. Uh, That, I feel like taking a shot like that, it weakens Tesla's position as far as I'm concerned. You may disagree with me on that. Uh, but I, I think they could have they could have just edited that right out of their statement before they they posted it uh, and and really made and not lost a beat on on their statement. But anyway, continuing this, among other things, the NTSB repeatedly released partial bits of incomplete information to the media in violation of their own rules at the same time that they were trying to prevent us from telling all the facts. We don't believe this is right, and we will be making an official complaint to Congress. We will also be issuing a Freedom of Information Act request to understand the reasoning behind their focus on the safest cars in America while they ignore the cars that are the least safe. In other words, let me translate that for you. Their obsession, or well, their perceived obsession with Tesla. The, the, the obsessions may be too strong a word. The, the, um specific interest in Tesla, where whereas there's, you know, plenty of other crashes to be investigated in non-Tesla vehicles. But uh, Tesla ends their statement by saying, quote, 
Perhaps there is a sound rationale for this, but we cannot imagine what that could possibly be, end quote. So a very salty statement from Tesla right there. This is, uh, this is clearly not going well. I mean, I, I, I'm not sure. It's, it's not sure it's making the NTSB or Tesla look good right now. The NTSB fired back saying, quote, the NTSB took this action because Tesla violated the party agreement by releasing investigative information before it was vetted and confirmed by the NTSB. Such releases of incomplete information often lead to speculation and incorrect assumptions about the probable cause of a crash, which does a disservice to the investigative process and the traveling public. So, it's obviously, as you can see there, it's getting a bit ugly now, but for now, as I've said before, Tesla, for me personally, has earned the benefit of the doubt. You may disagree, and that's totally okay. If, uh, if you feel like Tesla's totally in the wrong here, and that they should be keeping their mouth shut and fully cooperating under the NTSB's terms, but... One way or the other, I just hope that the actual truth comes out at some point, some way, somehow. So again, I will, I will continue to follow that story as, uh, as significant updates warrant it, and um, we'll see what comes of it. But that is the very, very busy week of Tesla news, uh, an, an entire show of just news, but... Uh, some good stuff to to talk about there. Unfortunately, it wasn't all good. There was that that would have rather not had to do that last story. But in any case, in ne- another busy week, uh, I will be right back to wrap it up for you right after this. All right, before I go, I wanted to give a quick shout out to the two newest Patreon producers. The, uh, a number of you kindly choose to support my efforts with this podcast on Patreon, and you can find all the information about that if you're curious. You might want to support me there. Uh, it's patreon.com slash Podcast. Patreon spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. And uh, the folks that support me at the $20 level or higher each month they get their name shouted out at the end of every single episode. And I want to say uh, a special hello to the newest Patreon producers, Eric Randolph and David Nondal. Dave, if, uh, David, if I'm mispronouncing your last name, please do let me know. I, I always do my best. I, take, I, I don't want to get anybody's name wrong. But Eric and David, thank you so much uh, for uh, your support, as well as Jeff Bartram, Paul Hussey, DJ Harbaugh, Pete White, Wolfgang Obergen, George Cassiopo, David Brander, Jonathan Wales, Alexi Heft, Lisa Kaz, Michael O'Prey, Logan Willis, Matthew Para, Michael Lester, Robert Maracle, Jason Chalukas, Emotion Rentals, Richard Ouellette, Sean Fournier, Tim Hyde, Marcus Mayenshine, Lee Sweet, Lars Hoffman, Orion Coates, Peter Chalet, Harold Plug, Kenneth Martin, Michael Callahan, Rome Strack, David Vakil, Ulrich Lassa, Luke A. and David Kittle. Thanks to all of you so, so much. If you are purchasing a Model S or Model X, you can use my cousin Patrick's referral code to get that free unlimited lifetime supercharging. Just give your sales advisor the code PATRICK5008, or if you're configuring your car online, you can type this into your browser, ts.la slash 
Patrick5008. That'll take you right to the Tesla design studio where you can choose your S or X, build it, and it'll have that free unlimited lifetime supercharging baked in with that URL there. Um, ah, Immaculate Reflections, my friends over there, they do wonderful detail work on all cars. Of course, in our case, we're concerned about our Teslas and keeping them looking beautiful, uh, even and in fact, making them more beautiful after they get out of the factory. They do everything, man. Whatever you want to do, you could you could just do paint correction. You could mix and match. You could do everything. There's you got you got uh, new car delivery preps, ceramic coatings, including Secort's finest reserve. They do paint protection film. They do pretty much everything. Whatever you want to do, uh, you can get that get that car uh, sealed up and looking good for many many years to come. Check them out at IR Detailing. Dot com or uh, on Yelp, as well as Immaculate underscore Reflections on Instagram. Uh, oh, and that's right. They have the the uh, sale they wanted just for this podcast audience that they wanted me to pass along. 10% off any level of detailing, whether it's just a basic wash, clay bar, wax service, a paint correction, ceramic coating, whatever you want to do. Just give them the coupon code RTL10 for that 10% discount. And if, hey, if you're a military uh, veteran or a military member, show your military ID card and you also get a 10% discount and you can stack those by virtue of being a listener to the show. Give them the coupon code and your military ID and you got yourself 20% off. Uh, Abstract Ocean, my friends over there as well, they, uh, many of you know them probably best. Their, their puddle lights are just flying off the shelf. Uh, they look super cool. I cannot, I'm going to, like I said, I'm going to go, I think with the, I'm undecided between the T logo, having that be the, the puddle light that projects onto the ground when the, when the doors, the front doors are open, or if I'm going to go with the original three horizontal bars, model three logo, I'm, I'm, I'm torn between them. I know what, I know what you're thinking. I could go one of each, but I kind of want to keep it uniform. But anyway, uh, abstractocean.com has a ton of cool lighting. Lighting stuff is kind of their specialty with the Teslas. It's upgraded, uh, upgraded lighting stuff. So take a look, abstractocean.com. And if you're a first time customer there, put in the coupon code RTL podcast at checkout to get 20% off of your first order. Subscribe to the podcast if you please, if you don't already do that, because then it just downloads to you instead of you having to go download it. You can subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, that's uh, in your Tesla, TuneIn, Spotify, or there's the hosting site where you can grab individual episodes as well as the RSS feed, and that hosting site is teslapodcast.libsyn.com. You can email me if you're interested in contacting me that way. I'm at teslapodcast at gmail.com. I'm also on Twitter. You can tweet me. I'm at DMC underscore Ryan. I think that's just about enough yapping from me for this week, don't you think? Uh, again, tons of calls uh, left to go. I've got them ready to go for next week because we had so much news, so much interesting ground to cover this week. We're already at or over an hour, I think. So want to be respectful of your time. Keep those calls coming. Uh, if you want to react to something you heard this week, whether it's the, the Model X 
autopilot crash or whether something that Elon said on the CBS This Morning thing or the dual motor timing situation. There's a lot going on. There's plenty to talk about. Feel free to call in anytime, either, you know, again, via just recording something on your phone and emailing me the file or dialing in to the Ride the Lightning hotline on that toll-free number I gave you earlier. So for a totally dead asleep boxer puppy, Daisy the Boxer Puppy. I'm Ryan McCaffrey. This has been Ride the Lightning episode 141. Happy electric motoring, and I'll see you guys next week.